Brothers and sisters, welcome. This is Into the Word, and I am Bryce Ferguson, and this is an abbreviated devotional for you tonight. As I know, it's been a few weeks, and I have been uh, struggling with a sickness that has gone on for a couple of weeks, which is atypical for me and is still affecting my voice, my head, and some of my clarity as well. But I didn't want to go any further without spending some time in God's word with you for a few minutes and opening his word together. If you would join me in prayer, and then we will open our Bibles tonight to John 10. O Lord, our gracious and wonderful and loving God, the God who I am reminded that even during times of sickness, you are the God of our body, you are the God of our mind, you are the God of creation, you are the God of all things. And we glorify you and we know that you are good and you are sovereign and you are all-knowing and you are all-present and nothing is outside of the realm of what you see and what you know intimately, God. Nothing is outside your purview, nothing is outside your scope. You are a good and a loving God. And we can trust you in all things, and we can trust you in times of sickness, and we can trust you in times of unsuredness, and we can trust you in times of sadness, and we can trust you in times of grief, because you are right there with us. And you are a God of emotion, and you are a God who created emotion. And so when we grieve, you grieve with us. You have compassion on us. Jesus, you wept with those who wept. And you know us utterly and completely. And you are a good God. And even though we know that we are frail in certain respects, our hope is in you and that is assured. And we know that in other aspects that we are strong, and yet uh, it is only from you that we have any strength. And we are assured in you. We pray this all in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Folks, with your Bibles open with me, please, to John 10, verse 1. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. That language right there in verse 1, folks, makes me think of Genesis, sorry, Genesis, we've been speaking so much in Genesis, of John 10, verse 10. Even before I reread it later in this passage, I was reminded that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So back to verse 1. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, that's Jesus. To him the gatekeeper opens, that's the father. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. Jesus 
leads his people. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Those who are saved by Jesus know, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus' voice. We know how Jesus speaks. We know the tone of Jesus' speech. We know his heart. We know what moves our God. We know what his priorities are. We know it's about his glory. God is about his own glory. And yes, God is about loving his people. And we are therefore to be about God's glory. And we are to be also about loving his people. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them again. Jesus leads. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Folks, once the Holy Spirit takes root in our lives, and we all know this, for those of us who are Christians and have been changed by God and have been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings in us this great conviction, this great discretion of knowledge and wisdom to understand the speech of God and to recognize the means and the words and the actions of Satan and those under satanic influence. And a key there is that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you see people stealing, killing, destroying, and lying, these are those who are of the ways of Satan. These are those who embrace the ways of Satan if they are not directly being led or influenced by Satan. And when God speaks, it is very clear to his people. Verse 7, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them, because the people, the faithful people of God, were in expectation of the coming Messiah. Jesus says again in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Again, with the sheep analogy. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we'll stop there for today. Folks, whatever you're going through in your life, yes, Jesus is the answer. And that's not a Sunday school simplified answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has come. What does it say there in the second half of verse 10? Look at that again. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, you may have physical suffering. 
You may have mental suffering. You may have spiritual suffering. And yet, Jesus will and will future fulfill every longing of your heart. But that doesn't mean that we don't still have longings on this earth. At times, Jesus was under great emotion and Jesus was under great conviction for what he knew was going to transpire. And I think of the Garden of Gethsemane, how Jesus was still human and he was still under the weight of bearing the sin of the world on a physical cross with nails in his hands and his feet, hanging in humiliation to passers-by, to die a death of asphyxiation, and that was after a brutal torture. And Jesus was faithful. And he still had the burdens. And I think that one of the most wonderful and beautiful aspects of Jesus coming to earth as a human is to relate to us in so many physical, tangible, human ways, mental and physical ways, tangible ways. We are human. Jesus is human. And he can relate. Our God is not a God who cannot relate or is who's so different from us that there is a separation. No. You can relate to Jesus in a number of respects in his humanity. And he can relate to you. Now, he is perfectly God. And we are imperfectly his children. So that's not a perfect relation. But in so many aspects, yes, we can relate. And this is an incredibly loving compassionate God. And the last thing that I want to tag here in this is that God did not save you just for the future life in heaven. God did not save you so that you could have saving knowledge of him and that's it, just knowledge. God did not save you so you could have a holy Bible on your shelf in your room for the rest of your life on earth and just have it reserved to a shelf on a room. What does verse 10 say again here? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God came to rescue us from ourselves. God came to rescue us from defining ourselves from the ways of this world to not define ourselves by our work, by our career, by what our boss says about us, by what our friends or so-called friends say about us, what those on social media say about us, what our government officials say about us, what all sorts of marketing online and in television and in movies try to identify us as to say about us. There are so many things vying for your attention and your money 
in your identity. And Jesus came, Jesus said he came so that we might have life and have it abundantly. Not as a prisoner to anything that this world has to offer. Not so that I could stop defining myself by the love of God and start defining myself by my career or by my bank account or from what the world's expectations are of a man of my age. No. Or even as an American, no. Jesus came to set me free, to set us free from all of those other false identities, those identities which will not satisfy you, which will not give you life in abundance, which will not give you life to the fullest, which will not give you life in him. Jesus came to set us free from all that. Jesus came to set us free so that our greatest love and our greatest joy and our greatest fulfillment and our greatest focus would be on the kingdom of heaven so that we would always and forever be identified in his love for us, in God's definition of us, in God's desire for us. It's imperative that we constantly remind ourselves of this truth. Because this world wants to always vie for our attention, vie for our money, vie to give us another identity apart from God. But our identity is in God. And our, our identity is defined by God. Because our wonderful, holy, awesome God is our creator God from Genesis 1, is our sustainer God throughout the Bible, and is our savior God in Jesus Christ. Praise be to the one who is above every other name. Praise be to the one who is above every nation and every government, above every century and civilization of man, above everything else. Our God is God alone and is worthy of our praise. O Lord, be glorified on the lips of your people. Be glorified in the thoughts of your people. Be glorified, God, in the hearts of your people. That we might lay aside every chain which the world tries and vies and pursues to attach to us. For that is truly what it is. It's a chain. It's not an identity. It's not a freedom. No, that's what we have in you. And let us cling ever more so closely to you, God, and you alone. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Folks, as hopefully I'll be over this sickness very soon, uh, I expect to have another full episode back in Genesis next Sunday, but that is pending this sickness. 
So I'll update you as soon as possible, hopefully next Sunday. God bless you. Take care.